Okay, good afternoon, everybody. This is the, um, the bankers panel. Um, Thank you very there's much. lots of discussion this afternoon about alternative finance. What we're looking at now is, is the banking finance, which has been the mainstay of ship finance for many, many years. Um, I have a very distinguished panel. Everyone calls their panels distinguished, but I, I really do. I have three global heads of shipping with me. Um, it would have been a fourth, but um, uh, to be a centre, unfortunately, from Nord LB can't join us. But I'm actually glad of that, because it means we have Rosemary Go at the far end joining us, um, who is the uh, Nord LB uh, Asia Pacific head of shipping. And I'm pleased that she's on this panel because she actually is based in Singapore. So we have a, a local banker, which we wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, next to her, we have uh, Christian Nivant, who's the head of shipping from HSH Nord Bank. Um, and then Michael Parker, who you saw before lunch, um, head of shipping and logistics at Citibank. Um, I think, Michael, I once saw you speaking in York, who uh, you explained that Citibank basically invented ship finance, so uh, we look forward to hearing your views. Um, and then finally next to me, I have Yip Gurgles, who's the head of shipping at ABN AMRO. Um, if you've looked at the, the conference program, it's actually, helpfully for me, listed out most of the questions that we, we need to address. Um, so the, the first um, area that we're going to look at is how sh the major shipping banks deal with new regulatory and market challenges. So um, and we, we've heard a lot already today about um, regulatory issues, um, environmental issues, um, but I think it'd be helpful to hear from uh, the people on my left what, what they see as the, the challenges they face as bankers in this market. So um, I think if we go ladies first, um, Rosemary, could we start with you? and? Uh, ask you to comment on that, please. Um, hi. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Well, on, on, on what John just mentioned about new regulatory and market challenges, I think um, the depressed uh, shipping market in the last 10 years has really had taken its toll, um, not just to sh on ship owners, but um, shipping bankers as well. Um, of course, this with the introduction of higher capital hurdles and um, with a stricter definition of regulatory non-performing loans. This means that basically um, banks need to put more capital when they are doing business. And the challenges that we face is no different from any European banks. Um, of course, um, um, adequate we are adequately capitalized, but um, of course um, we are also cautious about ensuring um, to future-proof our business model. Um, we are all constantly looking into increasing our capital ratio. Um, on how um, we are dealing with it, um, we no longer just do traditional ship financing on our own. So we seek um, partnerships with Chinese leasing houses, um, doing Chinese leasing structures, uh, also getting ourselves more um, involved with Sinoshore transactions where it gives you our RWA relief. Um, these are some of the um, solutions we are, we are, we are using to, to try and get around this regulatory market challenges. Thank you. Um, we heard earlier about the 
the, the regulations affecting the shipping industry. I wonder, yep, how, how do you see that affecting the business that you're in and how you, you look forward in terms of new business? Yeah. Um, I, I agree um, with the previous speaker. Um, there's a lot of regulations coming up uh, at the moment and they seem to come uh, and have an effect um, as we speak and also in the, in, the, in the foreseeable future. In particular, BAL 4 and IFRS 9, uh, those have an impact on, um, on capital and liquidity and, 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 um, and our profitability of, of loans in general that consumer banks have on the balance sheet. Um, so it, for, for shipping in particular, um, asset-backed financing, project financing, um, that, that probably has a higher capital charge than other type of loans. So I expect also a bit of a, um, yeah, an internal fight within banks, if you like, for, for capital, which will be scarce and scarcer um, going forward. Um, yeah, so what to do with that? I think um, we might see a flight for quality in the next coming years. Um, more, um, more conservative financing structures, um, more banking, more quality companies, larger companies, more transparent companies. Uh, more consolidated platforms in order to get better ratings and and maybe even public ratings and larger market caps those companies give the typical um, yeah better risk counterparty risk for banks and therefore um, yeah will be will be easier to take on our own balance sheet next to Next to balance sheet, I think disintermediation, uh, uh, so the bond market of any sort will be uh, playing an important role. Thank you. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I think we all know that, but it sounds like the, the banking regulations imposed on the banks are restrictive, they make capital more expensive. Um, Michael, you spoke earlier about how the industry should embrace the regulations affecting shipping on, on the, so on the environmental side. Do, do you think the bankers should be embracing the, the regulation imposed on the banks? Is it actually enforcing discipline? We, <coughs> we don't have a choice. Um, but, it, but as um, I read recently, the Baal group actually has no regulatory power. It is consensus by the members of that committee that lead to agreed regulation. And I think we're now seeing, what, you know, it's now questionable whether Baal 4 will be necessarily implemented. The, the aim of it was to remove competitive um, risk-weighted asset measurement in order to try and find a common playing field. True BAL 4 as designed would make shipping finance almost impossible at any reasonable price. So, you know, the next panel on alternative lenders would be the only people lending to the industry plus possibly the high yield bond market. So. I think that what we're beginning to see is not, and here the US and Europe is slightly different, and I'll let my European um, colleagues talk about Europe, where shipping is still a dirty word as far as the bank regulators are concerned. And that will take, I think, a few more years to happen. In the US, 
shipping is not a dirty word. It's just why is City more or less the only bank in shipping? That's the question we get mm -hmm. because there aren't very many American banks <coughs> doing shipping. But we've begun to see um, since the change in some of the regulators in the US, it's not so much pushing back on the rules, it's how they're interpreted and therefore some easing up on the methodology and the bureaucracy of the stress testing of American banks. That's what is being expected to come. So it's not, it's not that so much regulations will change, it's how they're implemented. And of course, as you've said, for all banks who may have too much capital in one sense, the US banks have far too much capital at the moment, which is why they're discussing how much they hand back through share buybacks and other means, dividends. Um, it's not the case in Europe. There's clearly a difference mm. there. But does, despite that, shipping for all of us, we have to fight for capital in our institutions, mm. and that requires returns on capital, and, and the shipping industry has not been good at giving those returns, especially if you include the losses that have been incurred. So I don't think we have a choice but to accept the regulation we have to live with. We don't have a choice, but I think what may be helpful by um, some easing up of the regulation, a return to profitability in the industry and therefore helping the industry lose its bad reputation is that that will ease some of the pressure on banks. But there is still, I think we'll see when Marine Money published their end of 17 portfolios for those of us who give, give those numbers, we'll see a further decline in the shipping exposure mm. of banks. And I think that's still going on and it's not being compensated for by the Chinese leasing companies. I think that probably leads us quite neatly into the next um, section, which was, you know, is, is the bank finance market and shipping shrinking or growing? I think we probably all know the answer to that, but perhaps, Christian, uh, you'd like to comment on that? Yes. Um, first of all, um, I'm very much in favor of the traditional bank financing for various reasons. Yes. Um, um, I think that the overall um, uh, supply of ship financing is growing. I mean, after years that we saw the, the growth of the export credit agencies around the world, in particular in Asia, we are currently uh, seeing a tremendous growth of, of the Chinese leasing model to, gro to grow. It's, it's uh, immense. Mm. Uh, as Michael correctly said, the the traditional sources from, from coming from the ship, uh, ship, ship finance banks is to, has shrunk to some extent. Uh, however, we see on the other side some newcomers. We have seen uh, some newcomers in Norway. We have seen some, some restarters, like in Greece, where we see the traditional Greek banks that they have started doing ship financing again. So all in all, uh, when it comes to the question, is uh, sufficient ship financing available? I would say yes. Um, for the European banks and, and for, the, for the projects that are around, uh, there's a lot of competition, uh, starting with the, with the big corporates, but even when it comes to the smaller companies, let's say a company with 10 ships or five ships, what counts nowadays is quality, uh, not, not quantity, not size. So when we get approached by a ship owner with five ships to finance two of the five ships, it works if uh, the leverage is okay, uh, if the track is okay of the company, and if the company uh, 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 has a good track record or has had a good track record over the years. 
So I would not share the view that the ship financing is shrinking. The, the gap that uh, uh, has, let's say, uh, is there nowadays, but it's, it's more than filled by the Chinese leasing companies yeah. and the Japanese leasing companies. Um, yeah, thank you. That's interesting. Um, the impression I get is that for the right deals, there's lots of banks with capital chasing those deals. So how do you compete to, to, to be the, the bank that's going to make that loan, win that deal? Maybe I could ask you, how do you sell yourselves to the banks? We as lawyers are always trying to sell ourselves to you. You sell yourself to me. <laughs> Not that I'm going to borrow any money off you. But. <coughs> I, I tend to disagree a little bit because uh, the... Um, I think uh, the, the total value of the of the of the book that needs to be refinanced is uh, is um, much lower than before. The number of ships that are uh, being built is much uh, lower, and the leverage is much lower. So it looks like uh, there is enough capacity in the market, but I, I tend to disagree with that. I think uh, you're right. There's some banks uh, coming back. And there are some newcomers, but that is all very small money. Um, banks are at the moment replenishing um, their portfolios only. Um, so, yeah, how would I sell myself? That's pretty easy in my case, because uh, we are there for a long period, and we will remain there for a long period. So if you want to have a reliable bank that can deliver all products, then you come to us. And we can arrange large facilities or small facilities, and we'll find the right banks to join that to join that party. Um, you mentioned other banks joining the, the party. I think my recent experience of deals is I've seen a lot more bilateral transactions than maybe club deals. Um, maybe I mean, you're nodding, Christian. Maybe you can comment on that. Is that a sort of preference? Yeah, you can do it. Um, do, do you prefer to be doing the, 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 the bilateral yeah, the, deals now? The problem is in today's market, the size of the deals has become smaller mm. than in the past. And you're absolutely right. We see most of the deals are bilateral deals. The syndication market is, is very, very low. Um, and coming back to the question, how do, do we sell ourselves? It's more or less the same. Uh, we have been in the industry for 40 years. Um, and in particular, during the last 10 years, we had to learn our lessons, i.e., we saw a tremendous amount of structures that went wrong during the mm -hmm. last years. And uh, from the customer's perspective, we supported the customers at a large extent, or to a large extent. Uh, only, let's say, for the last two to three years during the long, long crisis, we really had to, to, to sell ships, etc. Mm. But for a very, very long period throughout the crisis, starting in 2009, we stick to the customers, we supported our customers to a large extent. And this is, for, from my perspective, a strong selling point, uh, i.e. a long um, and established relationship and to stick together during difficult times. In a model where I finance my fleet via via a structure where I do not own the ship, but the ship is owned by another party. It's, it's uh, obviously that the relevant financing company on the other side um, will uh, uh, get hold of the ship very soon in a, in a case of a crisis. Mm -hmm. In our case, we, the ships, most of the ships, we left the ships with, with, the, with the current owners, and this is a selling point, the long-term uh, established relationship. Well, that's certainly been my experience dealing with particularly some of the um, 
private equity type investors that as soon as a decision has to be made or consent given, then the relationship doesn't seem to be there with them in the same way as with a traditional bank lender. Yeah. Um, but do you find that you're able to make the same decisions as an, an R, when well, you're not an RM, but you know, it seems to me that quite often decisions are pushed further and further up the, the bank organization now, that there's, you have maybe less flexibility. Um, uh, you mean the flexibility has reduced? Less flexibility within the bank to it's a good to, question. To, to manage the relationship uh, it's a good the way question that you want because uh, after 10 years of crisis and a tremendous amount of uh, experience, uh, basically we, we, it's now time to enter into deals with a much lower risk profile mm. because we won't finance 80% loan to value again. We won't finance at the peak of, um, of the market. We won't finance equity in advance. Won't do equity in advance financing. Mm. Uh, so we have, as I said, we have learned a lot, lot of le lessons, and I d do not expect uh, the same experience to happen in the future based on the new quality of the new portfolio. Mm. And, and this is also what regulators want. They want to um, see an industry where much more equity is uh, coming in mm. and uh, less leverage and also less spot, so less of market risk, but, um, but more um, chartered and contracted cash flows. Um, and the other thing I think I want to make is, uh, yeah, sustainability and the energy transition is high on our agenda in ABM World Bank. Um, and I think that is also a big topic uh, at the moment in in the international shipping um, uh, world, um, also a big topic today. So, this is an open invitation for anyone who is thinking of new buildings. Think of uh, of the next generation. And eh? Tradewinds is full of ships now with uh, sails and uh, methanol engines, and you know, let's let's start building these things because otherwise we won't get that 50, 70 percent reduction of CO2 in uh, in a couple of years. That's in particular. That's in particular the projects I'm looking for. Um, I think my, my next question is: um, you know, we, uh, how do you guys make money in this market? Is it is it just lending, or do you have to do something more than that to, to get the returns you want? Perhaps Rosemary, you could talk about that. Well, um, I must say um, we've all learned from from our lessons, and um, and and from what Christian was just talking. I mean, I was just wondering whether we were sharing notes, <laughs> because the bank went through the similar um, situation, and 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 we definitely take take um, notes of the mistakes we've made in the past. Um, as I mentioned. Um, Shipping is a cyclical business, it's risky, and with, with that, um, we actually uh, are able to sell um, products um, that are able to allow the clients to manage this risk. So in answer to John's question, I mean, we do shipping, but um, there are also other opportunities for us to cross-sell um, financial uh, products to, to our customers. So it's a good platform for us to start with. Okay. Well, um, we've been doing that at City since 1990, 
if not before, but we have an advantage of being a dollar-based institution in a dollar-based industry. But um, obviously, we're active in the capital markets, debt and equity. We do a significant amount of hedging and all the other sort of services that shipping companies need. And, I, and it comes from a different approach and why we didn't have some of the same issues that some of the people on this panel had in the last few years, because we were never and never have been an asset lender. We've been a cash flow lender to companies that happen to own ships, and we happen to have taken security most of the time. But it's a different approach, which is not lending against an asset. It's looking at what that asset can generate. And then, and the reason I go back to 1990s, when we had one of our existential crises at Citibank, where Prince Al-Walid came in as a shareholder, where we realized that the returns on our own balance sheet were insufficient to continue to lend in the way we were generally. So the need, therefore, to, to cross-sell, as it's, as it's termed. And so we, we've, that has acted as a restraint on me and my colleagues in other industries that when we can't meet the returns on capital that we are required to meet, we can't go on using the balance sheet. And so we effectively stopped significant lending in about 2006 when the German banks were continuing to um, lend a lot of capital against, you know, into a rising, rising asset values. And I think that's the way, and I think sort of ABN AMRO is sort of halfway yeah. between the two. Um, and that, I think, is, is, is the future. And the question really is, it is about return on capital, so it is how you get that return, because that's in a scarce commodity. That's how the board of directors and the regulators will look at it. Now, if the industry, from what we heard this morning, is going to continue to consolidate and leverage, I agree with you, is going to go down, that means capital has to be raised from other sources. We have things pulling in two different directions. You have the leasing companies where leverage is not going down. If anything, it's going up still. And then you have the traditional banks where the regulators are forcing leverage down. And then you're going to have the capital markets where the cost of capital being competitive will encourage lower leverage, may not be more investment-grade companies quickly, but at least in crossover territory. So the, the desire for capital is being met by lots of different sources, but in a way they're moving to two different extremes. And there may be room in the middle for some, and probably the room in the middle is the alternative lenders who don't have the regulated capital costs, they don't have the infrastructure, but it appears to us, and we do business with the alternative lenders from, from, a, from the other side, if you like, that actually ramping up their portfolios take, is taking a bit of time. I think the other thing, uh, and Christian, I think you'll see this when Marie Money published their numbers, at least from the banks, that I think we'll still see a decline in bank capital. It may be being substituted to some extent. Um, but I think, you know, there's still... I don't know, something like 25, maybe 30 billion of stressed, some non-performing of stressed loans in European banks still to come off those balance sheets. You've got, you know, at the top end of that, which is not distressed, DNBs, 10 billion or whatever they've put in a separate category, if you like, to run off. You've got um, other banks still selling more or less distressed loans if they're not being very public about it. So that, that churn has still got to happen, and it may be some of those alternative lenders, many of whom have hedge funds as their principal sponsors, will you know, take chunks of that to build their portfolio. The one thing I would say, I think, is the alternative lenders, who I thought would be a two- to three-year sort of 
fad. I think they will have a longer life, maybe of sort of 10 years or so plus, maybe, <laughs> assuming, of course, that the banks remain under regulatory pressure. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, thank you. Um, we've only just got over 10 minutes left, so I think um, th there was a section on uh, the availability of new capital, but I think we've had a session just now on, on leasing, and there's a session coming up on alternative capital and private equity, so I think we, we can leave that to, to that session to look at. Um, so the last section really is dealing with, which I think a lot of the ship owners in the room want to hear about, is who can qualify for bank finance and at, at what cost and terms. So um, maybe, Yup, uh, if you could just tell us what your bank strategy is looking forward to the next year or so. You know, do you favor particular asset classes, geographies, sectors? No, I, we are agnostic uh, about these things. Um, management needs to be of good quality, um, a well-run uh, platform, well-capitalized, um, preferably some charted um, or, or contracted cash flows, as I said, low leverage. Um, doesn't really matter where in the world or uh, in what asset class. Um, I do agree also with uh, cross cross surface, as you as you call it, uh, Michael. Um, that is very important for for banks because when we talk about return on on equity or return on capital, it's very important that um, we as uh, consumer banks um, deliver more products to that same customer. Um, shipping finance portfolios are not that easy to sell or insure or. So there's very little to do with it, with it once you have it on your balance sheet, uh, realistically. Um, so, so, you know, I think banks in general and also ABNMRO will be uh, quite selective going forward in, in, in that matter. Um, coming back to your previous point, um, alternative capital uh, can also be in the form of, uh, of export credit. So I don't think we touched upon that. But, um, I don't want to spoil the party for the for the next panel, but private equity clearly has not worked the last uh, uh, eight years. Not as, not in shipping, at least. Uh, there's very few successful stories. Uh, so that's not going to work. But but export credit is is working. Shall I continue? Yeah, yeah please do. Okay. First of all, um, I would like to add one, uh, one element to what Michael said. What, um, uh, what do we earn our money? Uh, uh, general statement, ship finance is for, for HSH Nord Bank a very lucrative business still. Mm -hmm. However, it's more risky than the rest of our business. Mm -hmm. So as long as we cope um, with ship financing in a proper and professional way and really take our lessons from the past, it has the chance to continue as a very good business for the bank. Um, where do we earn our money? Basically, we are active in all the shipping centers in the world, be it the Americas, be it Europe, be it Asia. Um, we, we, have, we, we, are, we are there to invest our balance sheet. Um, uh, what we do is that we look at, basically, at the survivors. Um, at, at, as I said, as, at, at, the, at the strong um, entrepreneurs, at the strong companies. Um, in some cases, we look at the consolidators. 
Um, and then there's an, another element where we look at, Michael mentioned that, that you know that a lot of banks these days try to get rid of their portfolios, like DNB, Deutsche, uh, um, Commerzbank has already done that. And this is a chance for us to, do, to generate business. Why? Because we basically know all the customers behind the portfolio. Uh, a significant amount of those portfolios are fully performing and this is a good moment to, to look at that portfolio and we do not look at the whole portfolio, although we look at the whole portfolio, but we do not buy the whole portfolio. But we, we approach the customer, mm -hmm. we approach the relevant bank and pick, uh, let's say, pick the sherries out of the mm -hmm. portfolios and make our offers, i.e. at discount. And this enables us to make uh, existing transactions with existing customers with a good track record more profitable than uh, um, approaching them directly. So this gives us a good opportunity to, to put good uh, con uh, tra uh, transactions on our own portfolio. Um, yeah, that is uh, what, what, what we are basically doing. Uh, that, well, that's quite interesting, because I know when Lloyds were selling their portfolio some years ago, they said no cherry picking. Yeah. It's okay. A, so it's a, sometimes it's interesting they say, that you can you, you can get away with you that. Know, yeah. Sometimes they say no, and then yeah. they are, they might say yes at a point in time. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. yeah. And okay. don't forget that currently, uh, I I, I um, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, because you have been the, in the industry longer than I am. I have never seen that many quality portfolios in the market than today, as today, yeah. from all the banks. I, I think that's probably true. Um, but, as you say, it's the price, because ultimately it's about the return. So it's a question of whether an acquirer uh, can buy it at the price that the regulator and their board of directors finds attractive yeah. to the seller. So that's the, that's the difficulty. Whereas I think earlier in the process, what's key here, and, and it's about a decision to exit the industry, if you find a seller who is exiting, it's easier to find the right price, because they've made the emotional decision people just reducing have a slightly different psychological position. But it's good to hear you're a buyer now. <laughs> For good transactions at a good discount. <laughs> <laughs> Everything at a price. Um, we're running out of time now. Um, Rosemary, at the end there, um, you're in the region, as I said at the outset. Perhaps you could tell us what, what you're looking at in, in the coming years and whether you have a focus. What's your strategy? Um, as I've mentioned, um, not too long ago in Shanghai, um, we are not we are unbiased towards any particular shipping sector, um, but we do find ourselves focused in specialized tonnage. Um, in particular, we have a uh, um, good experience with uh, cruise and ferries. Um, we have uh, in 2017 uh, quite. Uh, successfully closed a transaction for a Asian um, tourism company, subsidiary of a tourism Asian tourism company. Um, it is for four cruise ships. Uh, these are 95% um, covered by Hermes. These are really good uh, vessels uh, built for the rivers in in Germany. Um, so we we find ourselves not in the clubs where the big boys are, where huge syndicates, uh, we like bilateral deals, but we find ourselves very uh, comfortable in, in uh, ECA covered transactions. 
Um, on a medium term, um, NordLB would we would see uh, our portfolio to be in about uh, 10 billion euro in the medium term. Um, we will continue, the bank will continue to put uh, fresh financings to, to shipping companies, not just working with uh, leasing companies, um, but it's about granularity. So we, the team works very hard because these days our transactions are getting smaller. Um, bilateral deals of about 20 million is a sweet spot for us. Thank you. Um, we only have a, a couple of minutes left, so I don't know if anyone in the audience wants to ask a, a quick question. Wave your hand if you do. Mm, no. Can I just, you didn't ask me that last question. What Please we, answer it. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we, we are global. We have been global for a long time, and we're continuing to try. And what's difficult, as you said, actually, is to grow a business uh, in a shrinking market to the extent there are fewer ships being financed and leverage is going down. So what I encourage you to do is to look at the marine money tables. You'll find that between 14 and 16, there's something like a $50 billion drop in the exposure of shipping banks. And it did include most of the Chinese leasing companies and export credit agencies. And I would expect there'll be another drop the end of 17 by about another 20 or so billion. So actually keeping your portfolio roughly the mm. same or growing it is actually quite difficult unless you buy, make some sort of acquisition. Mm. But I think the, the city has always had a sort of very target, targeted approach. But one of the things that I think is changing is with the technology changes, and the regulatory changes in shipping, I think we will see, as well as consolidation, obviously, we'll see new companies potentially emerging. And so the concept of just lending against a ship, you know, will begin to change when that ship is just part of something else. And so we've thought of shipping as, you know, small ship owners or small owners with small fleets getting bigger or acquiring or whatever it is. But actually, it may be that there are business changes that mean that the business changes in the way in which we look to lend and provide capital. And so I think we all have to keep our eye out for that too. Yep. Mm. Okay. Well, we're about out of time, so thank you very much to my panel. And um, we'll hand over to Greg and his panel. Thank you.